God is good. Amen. Amen. I am so glad to have you guys here tonight. And uh, there's just a few things that I'd like to share. We're still talking about the word, the importance of the word. Amen. We're not going to leave that. We're going to start looking at examples of Jesus in Scripture that is just showing us again uh, who he is. Amen. Because he is the word made flesh who dwelt among us and still dwells amongst us in us. Amen. And so, uh, but, but, but last week, I wasn't here. I'm so grateful. Thank you for, for RJ, Marianne, Sean, for you guys sharing about the life change. I heard about life change. That's what I like to hear. Life change that took place from us going to Africa, us being able to go and, and share the good news of Jesus Christ. But not only were they affected, but we also were affected. Amen. And so last week we were, we were uh, in Arizona with, with Kai, our youngest son, and um, we were at Grand Canyon University for parents, uh, parents Weekend. He uh, actually was like, I told him, I said, Kai, I- I'm not going to be able to make it, buddy. And he was like, no, Dad, you and Mom got to come. And I was like, no, buddy, I'm not going to be able to make it. He was like, no, Dad, you and Mom got to come. So sure enough, I said, okay, I better go as well. And it was a good time. And uh, God showed me a lot of things, uh, showed us a lot of things, uh, Shirley and I about Kai. Um, Kai, some things he was sharing with us about what's happening with him. I, I got a point why I'm telling you this, so, so bear with me. But as we, were, as we were there, we noticed that, you know, I, I told you, did I ever tell you guys about when we first took Kai to school, we took him to school, and when you pull up to the, uh, into Phoenix and into the area where his school is, it is unbelievably terrible. I just don't know another way to say it, man. It is terrible. Matter of fact, every time we, we pass by the area that it takes to get to the school, there were at least six cop cars with people on the ground, hands down. It was just always something bad. And I said to myself and to Shirley, I said, hey, uh, this is why God didn't allow me to come and visit the campus beforehand because I wouldn't have let the boy go. I'd have been like, oh, boy, you ain't going here. But, but this last trip, God just really began to deal with me about this. He, uh, every time we go, that campus is growing. It's in the middle of a terrible area, but it is an oasis in the middle of a terrible area. When I say it's an oasis, it's, it, I mean, listen, let me say, not even talking about spiritual. I'm talking about just physical, man. They got pools everywhere. They got sports. They got a sports complex. It's just a nice campus, man really a nice campus, and it's an oasis right there, and they're constantly growing, they're constantly expanding, they're buying up the area around it, and they're taking ground constantly, and God started to talk to me about it. He said, hey, that's how the church is, and I said, what do you mean? He says, listen, they're right dab in the middle, smack dab in the middle of a terrible area, but they're constantly taking ground expanding their reach, and what was once negative is now growing into positive. It's just, it's happening that way. And he said, that's how the church is supposed to be. You're in the world, you're not of it. You're taking ground constantly. You're supposed to be a light in a dark place. Because I didn't say that, I, I left that part out. The campus, you know, at night, 
lights everywhere. I mean, lights everywhere. Facing the street, facing inside, all around, it's lit, well lit, while everything else around it is, re- excuse me, really dark. It's really bright. It's really lit up while everything else around it is dark. And God is saying that's how we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be in this place shining brightly and every day taking ground. Changing what is around us from being negative to being positive. But what happens so often and sometimes happens, and and you see it everywhere in all Christian places, uh, 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 Christian schools and Christian universities, you see it happen. You see some of that world start to creep in. And you start to see the negative effects start to take over. But what God wants us to do is he wants us to stand strong and make sure the word of God dwells in us richly. Amen. And so I want to talk to you a little more about, about the word today, but I want us to go to John. Nope, I want us to go to Luke chapter 10. Like I'm still going through puberty. I heard my voice crack, man. What is going on? Luke chapter 10. Pastor talks about this verse all the time, about this chapter, doesn't he, all the time? Huh? Come on. Yeah, y'all that have been with me a little bit should know. And if you don't know, I'm not going to the verse I normally go to, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Remember whenever he had the, ten, the, the, the 70 that he sent out and they came back and they were talking about even the devils are subject to us in our name. And he says, hey, look, I saw Satan fall as lightning. You know how quick that is? Boom. Lightning strikes. It's over. But he said this. He said, behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Remember he said that? So, so this, is, this is what I want to talk about. It's coming on the heels of this, and so those guys will know where it is. I apologize. We're going to Luke 10 and 38. And so here's Jesus. He's talking to his disciples. He got them in a private place, and they're sitting down, and they're talking about this, what, this thing that happened. And then Jesus starts to give God glory. He starts to praise God and he's giving God glory. And there are other people around because we see in one of the verses later, we see that one of the lawyers stands up and he says, hey, 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 who's my neighbor? Right. He talks about this because he asks, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus tells him this. And then he says, who's my neighbor? And after all of this takes place, they leave this, this, this meeting where Jesus is praising God and, and, and sharing about what the greatest commandments are. And they leave this meeting and now they go hang out at Mary and Martha's home. And this is where we are. Luke 10 and 38. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary. And also, which also sat at the feet of Jesus or Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was encumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she, uh, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away 
from her. Now remember that he says this. Here she is. Now you've got to remember, they just came out of this meeting and they went. And now they're over and these people are hanging out. Now Jesus and the rest of these fellas are hanging out at Mary's house. And remember, there's no KFC, no churches, no Popeyes. I just said chicken because that's what church folks are always getting, right? They got none of those places for her just to pop into and grab something to feed them with. So she's doing something that is important. She's going out. She's trying to get things together. So it's something good. It's something at her home. But she's stressed while she's doing this. And I understand because she's trying to get it together for a lot of people in a short period of time. How many of you ever had people show up on your house unannounced and and you're trying to get it together before they come or they call you right before they're showing up? And what does everybody do? They make sure the bathroom look good and they straighten up, right? Okay, yeah, I know y'all do that, right? But here it is that she's got Jesus there. And she's stressed. But she's got a sister who's been with them all those other places. It's her house too. But yet she chose something and Jesus said it was the most important piece. She sat at Jesus' feet and heard what he had to say. She took and made the word of God more priority than something that was important. Did you hear me? Did did you really hear what I said? She took the word of God as being more important than something that was important. It was good and it it was valuable for her to be scuffling around and getting food prepared for everyone. But she, Mary, made a choice to sit and listen. Now, I I didn't say this either, but this also comes on the heel of Jesus taking some fish and some loaves and multiplying it enough for people to eat. But somewhere along the line, some of us forget that Jesus is still capable of doing that. And so she had seen this thing take place, but yet now she's spending all of her energy on trying to feed when Jesus did with a prayer and a snack lunch. Sometimes we make things that are good and important, more important than they should be, instead of placing it in the Father's hand and saying, hey, listen, I need what you're saying to me more than this other thing. And when we do that, now Mary, remember, Mary had one way and Martha had another way. When we do that, it makes us respond differently to other situations that arise in our lives. Go to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. John chapter 11. And I'm going to read a lot in here. Is that okay? 
How many of y'all, let me ask this before I go on. How many of y'all been, been, been really participating in Word Wednesday? Now, some of you, some of you haven't been able to. I, had, I heard a couple of stories when I asked people, because I've been asking people that I come in contact with, what are you doing with Word Wednesday? And I've, I've, I've had people explain to me why they couldn't do some of uh, the listening on the radio. But Word Wednesday, man, is powerful if you'll let it be. For those of you who don't know what Word Wednesday is, every Wednesday... All right. We should be doing it every day. But we're choosing instead of listening to the radio, our our sports radio, our our NPR or our even our K-Love or Way or or uh, whatever else. We're going to turn on our, our Bible app and just let it read the scriptures to us. So while we're driving, we're just getting the word. Amen. Y'all OK with that? For those of you who didn't know. Everybody else, y'all should be okay. Y'all already said all right, yeah? (laughs) But Word Wednesday is important. I want you guys to get it. So here we are. I'm going to read a lot of this to you. Uh, Lazarus uh, in in verse, excuse me, John 11, starting in verse 1. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment, and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother, Lazarus, was sick. Lazarus is sick now. Now, now this is the same two ladies who were just sitting, and one was working, and one was listening and sitting at the feet of Jesus, and now they're in a situation where here is Lazarus, their brother, who is not doing well. Here's an adverse situation that has come up in their lives. And it says here, and therefore his sister sent unto him, meaning sent unto Jesus, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard it, he said, this sickness is not unto death. What? What? How many of y'all know this story? Right? It's not unto death, but for the glory of God of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. He didn't leave nobody out of his love. He loved all three of them. Amen. And when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Pastor, didn't you know my brother was sick? Why you ain't show up at the hospital, Pastor? (laughs) Pastor, didn't you hear me? I said he was sick. That's a side note. Then after that, saith he to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. His disciples said unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee. Goest thou thither again? And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth because there is no light in him. These things he said, and after that he said unto them, our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of his sleep. Now we understand why he said it's not unto death. He, he understands that this is just, a, this is temporary. Then said the disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he, he should do well. 
It's good. Let him sleep. Jesus, why are we going to wake up this man? He resting good. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking a rest in sleep. Then said Jesus unto them, plainly Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him to the intent that ye may believe. believe. Aren't these the twelve? Haven't they seen him raise someone from the dead? Haven't they seen miracles before? They performed them themselves. What is he talking about here? This is crucial, right? Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us go also, or also go, that we may die with him. Man, Thomas, what you doing, man? Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. This is key. This is important. Four days. Four days. Why do they tell us that? Why do they tell us? See, see, do you ever ask why they give you, give you information or is it just information for information's sake? He was really dead, right? He was dead, dead. I want you to understand. I want you to understand that the Jews believe that if someone was dead within three days, their spirit hadn't gone anywhere. They believed that there was a possibility that they could come back to life. So if he had raised them up in those three days, then I'm not sure if he was really dead. You know, that's a possibility. But four days, he's dead. Decay is already starting to begin. And that's the issue, right? And Jesus said, this is so you can believe and now give glory to God. And Jesus may be glorified in this situation because now it's been four days. You're going to see something you hadn't seen before. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on, come on. Uh, uh, And then it says, now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs, and many of the Jews uh, came to to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Now, that seems negative, but she didn't stop there. That's good, right? Because she says something else. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. And Jesus saith unto her, thy brother shall rise again. But this shows you that she didn't understand this about four days because it's four days, right? And she says, Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. I'm clarifying who I am to you. Do you believe this, Martha? Do you understand this, Martha? This is something that's important for you to get, Martha. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believeth thou this? And she saith unto him, Yea, Lord. I believe that thou art the Christ. Man, that's good. 
the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had said so, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. And as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet coming to the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. And the Jews then, which were uh, with her in the house, and comforted her when they saw Mary that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Didn't she say the same thing her sister said? So they're saying the same thing, but let's see some more about this. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, where have ye laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Now, now that's powerful to me. It's, it's not just because, listen, listen, I have to say this real quick. It's, it's important to say one thing is that most of us guys have been trained and taught not to cry. Think about it. Every time you play the sport, hey, you want you a sissy? You don't cry. Wipe them tears up. Stop crying. Right? You've been trained not to cry. But here is Jesus crying. But Jesus is not just crying because it's a funeral. Because why would he be crying at that when he knows he's going to raise him up? He's crying because of their pain. He was able to understand that they're in pain, and I'm right here with you. Right now, you don't know what I'm getting ready to do, and I love you right where you are, and I'm here with you in it. Wow. Did you get that? Those times when you're feeling distressed, when you're feeling distraught, when you're feeling high, when you're feeling low, no matter what it is, he's right there with you. Even though he's getting ready or he's able to solve it, he's ready to solve it, he's about to solve it, however you want to look at it, he's still right there with you. That's good. Hold on to that, right? And Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, behold how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man which, have, oh, excuse me, which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died. Now, do you think they whispered that? You know how folks are. Yeah, you ain't got no ghetto folks around you, man. They just say crazy stuff. They talk crazy no matter what, just to, just to be, be troublemakers. You know what they're doing? They're trying to rob you of your face. They're being used of the enemy to cause you to doubt what Jesus has already spoken he already spoke that he was going to raise it. Where you laid the boy? Let me go see. He told Mary that I am the resurrection and the life. Right? Amen. But they were there to distract them and to cause them to have doubt and unbelief right before a great miracle, right at the finish line. How many of us are allowing people to distract us? from what God has spoken. Their voice is louder than God's. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. 
How many of those people do we have to get out of our way? Sometimes, man, it's hard to release some people from your life, but some of them got to go. Amen? Okay, I'm sorry. Side note. 38. Jesus, therefore, again groaning in himself, coming to the grave, it was a cave and a stone lay upon it. And Jesus said, take ye away the stone. Wait a minute. The one who said, thou art the Christ. The one who said, the one who said, I know whatever you ask the father to do, he'll do it for you. What is she about to say? What does she say next? Wait, what are you doing? What are you doing? Man, what are you? This is what she's saying. She says this. She says, she says, Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saying unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Decay is already set in. What you doing? Come on, man. Don't, don't do this. We ain't trying to smell this, man. Leave him be. But he just told you, and you said, whatever he says, I'll do. Is maybe, is this a product of maybe you know what to say, but you don't believe it because you've not built your faith? Because faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, not being encumbered about what much serving. Nowhere in there does Mary object. Did you hear Mary object? Just the one who didn't spend time getting the word. The only one that objected to the miracle that was getting ready to take place is the one who missed the word. She's the one who said, she said, I believe you're the Christ. She said the words. She said the right stuff. She said the same thing Mary said. But when it came down to it, she was lacking in that word being in her heart, not just on her lips. Jesus said this. He said, he said, what, what is this? What, he, he says this. He says, with thy mouth thou do worship me, but thy heart is far from me. The word of God gives us the opportunity to check and shine a light on our hearts. It allows the light of God to show what's really going on. Here is Mary in this situation. You know the end. I mean, Martha in this situation who is saying because of her lack of word, she's stopping the thing she desired most. Think about that. She's blocking the thing that she wanted in the beginning, the very thing she sent word to, the, to Jesus about in that prayer, the very thing she sent word about, she's trying to stop. How many of us are blocking the very thing that we desire and we're mad at God? He's trying to move the stone and get your brother up. The thing you ask him for and you saying, hold up. He stinks now, man. Nah, 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 nah. I changed my mind, man. This is crucial for us to understand this kind of thing. 
I want to say this before. You, you, you guys know the end of the story. I'm going to stop here. Jesus tells him, they, they move the stone back. He calls Lazarus forth. Lazarus hops out, wrapped up in his grave clothes, and he tells him to loose him and let him go. And because of that, many Jews believed. It's a strange thing that the Bible says. Let me read this, actually. Can I read this to you? It's a strange thing. And we miss it sometimes. In verse, uh, verse 45, once he says, loose him and let him go, in verse 45, it says, then many of the Jews which came to who? Which came to who? Wait a minute, wasn't Martha grieving too? Wasn't Martha grieving? But why does it just say Mary? He's trying to explain He's trying to explain that there's a connection to that word being on the inside and how people are able to receive from your circumstances. Now, I want to stop, just pause for a minute on that, but I want to say this. So many of us today don't understand the importance or the value of getting this word on a consistent basis. Go to, go to John's, I always say six, but it's four. John chapter four, real quick. And let me tell you what verse. John four, just flip over a couple of pages in your Bible. And um, let's, let's just start in verse, come on quick, I'll be quick about this. Verse seven, six. Six, four, six. Now, Jacob was uh, uh, well was there and Jesus, therefore, being weary with his journey, sat thus on the well. And it was about the sixth hour, meaning that Jesus was in this town and he sat by this well. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus saith unto her, give me to drink. For his disciples were going away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask his drink of me, which am a, a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. These, these, these two, they had a discord because one said you worship here in Jerusalem, and one said you worship on this mountain, and they argued between each other on who was right. So they had discord. That's why Jesus talked about the good Samaritan to the Jews, because he was pointing out somebody from the outside that you despise is looking out to give to help you, right? And so he's talking about that from that perspective. And not only was she a Samaritan, but she was a woman who was looked down upon in that day. And so Jesus is talking to her and he, tells, he says, hey, can you give me something to drink? I'm thirsty. And that's where it is. And she, she responds to him. And Jesus, in verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Jump down, she talks to him, but jump to 13. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Talking about the well. But in 14, But whoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. Now, this is important for us to understand because it's crucial about the word. The word is that water. And it's like this. Let's just talk about natural water. Give me two more, five more minutes, okay? Five more minutes and I'll let you go. 
natural water is this way. If you drink natural water, you crave natural water. If you don't drink natural water, you stop craving natural water. You crave the other things that you are drinking, although natural water is vital to life. It is crucial to life. But the less you drink it, the less you want it, the more you want everything else. But the more you drink it, the more you crave it. It's what you desire. And this is the water of the word. The less you spend time getting this, this is why pastors are always challenging us about getting this. The less you spend time in it, the less you want it, and you want the things that don't add to life. And your life starts to go downhill. Can I tell you guys, I watch it happen all the time. I watch as you come in and you spend time getting the word and you're getting it at home. I hear you. You send me text messages. I see your posts on Facebook. You're charged. You're getting the word. You're excited about Jesus. And as soon as that starts to stop and you stop getting the word, all that comes up on your Facebook post is all the negative stuff that's happening in your life. And then you start moving farther and farther away from Jesus. It's always that way. It's that way about service. The less you come, the less you want to. As Vince got up and told you, when we missed two weeks, he saw himself going backwards and like, I don't even need it. It happens that way. All of us feel that way. I'm not excluded from that. If I stop, if I find myself drifting away from spending time in the word, I see myself getting angrier, right? I see myself having less desire to be, to be kind. You be mean to me, man. I'm quicker to be mean to you. Because that word is crucial and he's telling us we respond differently when we don't get it. But it's something we have to get in order to desire more. The more we, we spend time in it, the more we seek after God, the more we desire him. No one has to put a cattle prod on our behinds. Nobody has to come up and cheer us on. No one has to pat us on the back. All that happens is we start chasing after the water of the word. But the less you get it, the less you get it. I'm being honest. I, and I'm not excluding myself from this. I want to make sure I make it clear. When you become a pastor, it doesn't mean you get a, 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 a magic pass. I don't know. I don't know how else to say it. Yeah, we. No, you have to spend time in the Word. Amen. What I want us to do is, I want us to just take a minute. I want us to close our eyes, and I just want us to just chat with chat with the Father for just a second. Because there are a couple of people in here that that need some prayer, and I want to give it to them. And I want to let you go. As we finish that up, I'm not going to hold you any longer. So what I'm asking for is I just want you, as they play, as they play, you're going to just spend time with God. And if you need healing in your body, you need restoration in your marriage, any of those things, I want to meet you and combine my faith with you. Okay? And it's not just for those things. It's anything. Maybe it's a job. You lost a job. You're losing the house. You, whatever it is. You got a you got terrible relationship with, uh, with someone that you have. You need healing in your body. Whatever it is. I'm giving you the opportunity 
to come. While you sit, you talk to God, and you say, hey, Father, I need you. And I just want to have my faith connected with, I'm just going to connect my faith. It's an act of faith to get up and say, I'm coming. It's an act of faith to pray with, with me. That's all it is. The same power that dwells on the inside of me, if you have Jesus, you have the same power. If you allow the Holy Spirit to move in you, you have the same power. Amen? All we're doing is connecting our faith. I know there are about two or three other people. I want to give you the opportunity before I connect with them. And then, Father, as we get set to leave this place, we're not leaving your presence. But we're going forth with your anointing and your authority. We're going forth, Father God, to say we desire you. We desire you, God. And the places where we need your grace to even start, you know, there are places times we need just grace to begin. Give us that grace to drink the first glass of water. Give us that grace. We thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name.